Hey, um, we're starting a series, uh, Relationship Goals. I'm really excited. I feel like it's, um, you know, I said this morning, if you're around, just we come out of shout with all these dreams and visions and these exciting things we believe in God's got for us. And God goes, okay, I want to take the foundation deeper. I want to sort out some stuff so that you're good to go higher. You want to go higher? Let's build a better foundation. Let's just deepen some things. Let's sort some things out. And so over the next uh, four weeks or so, we're going to talk about relationships. So tonight, um, I want to um, do something that's a little bit risky. Uh, I'm going to look at a book in the Bible that's all about relationships. It's um, Hopefully this machine works this way. It's called the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. So to provide, if you've been to Bible college the last four or five years, just pretend you haven't heard this before because it's a lecture on the Song of Songs. If you've, uh, this is a bit serious, don't get nervous, but if you've got kids here, this is probably like an R13 talk. So there's a massive program, there's a kids program, you might want to take them out. Don't blame me, it's in the Bible, but it's like, we're going to look at the Bible, okay? Um, now everyone's interested, if you were sleepy before, like, what are they going to say? Um, but, but I want to look at this book because it, I think it's got some principles from God about how to do relationships well. You know, uh, I was reading this afternoon, in uh, 550 AD, a church council issued a decree that forbade people to read this book literally. Like you had to pretend it was all about God because they didn't want you to think it might actually be talking about romance and relationships and sex. But it's like Jewish spiritualities never have a problem with that. God was the one who made bodies. God was the one who made romance. And just as he's got advice for your finance, he's got advice for your love life and your romance and your relationships. And this is a book in the Old Testament that's about relationships. The interesting thing is even the title, verse 1, Song of Songs, Hebrew doesn't have a, a, like a greatest, biggest. So what they do is they do holy of holies, king of kings. So this Song of Songs means this is the greatest song ever, which is a pretty big call when we've got all of the Psalms. We've got a whole lot of other songs, but the claim is this is the greatest song ever. And, and it's about romance, and it's about love, and it's about relationship. So I'm gonna, I want to kind of track through it. It's probably, it's a funny kind of thing because it's, like it's like a musical, high school musical or something. It's got a, it's got a guy who's called the lover, his uh, part. It's got a woman, the beloved, her part. And it's got this other group of friends who often like the chorus who chip in. And people kind of try and navigate this kind of thing. But I want to suggest that it's kind of, it's a picture of a developing relationship with some ups and downs and highs and lows. And in the middle of it, it's got some principles that could empower you to be successful and victorious in this part of your life. And, uh, and we kind of just need to be, I love, you know, at church, we want to be real. This is an area of life that can cause a lot of hurt and a lot of blessing, can cause a lot of damage and a lot of joy. And it's like, man, God, have you got some tips how to do this well? And he's like, I was the one who thought this thing up. Like, I know how to do this. I know what, how I designed it. So is that all right? So we're going to kind of do a skim through this book and see what does it tell us about relationships, about romance, about sexuality, and, and God's ideas on how to do this well. Is that all right? That's like... Wasn't expecting that at 3.30 in the afternoon. Um, and, and it's an interesting book because, you know, the very first um, verse is like, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. It's like opening thought, you know what? A good kiss is better than a good glass of wine. Like, oh, that's the first, like, I wonder where this book's going to go because, like, that's your opening thought. 
as in the Bible, and, it, and it's like, yeah, well, it kind of moves on pretty quick, because by verse 4, it's like, take me away with you, let us hurry, let the king bring me to his chambers. It's like, let's go to bed. Now, the con- it's a married couple, but it's like, this is going to be an interesting book, because it obviously celebrates love and romance and sexuality. Uh, and, and again, I'm aware, for some people, culture, it's not... Uh, normal to kind of talk about this, but this is, this is actually kingdom culture, to do this area well in our lives. And the, this is in the Bible, unashamedly kind of talking about, because God wants you to do well in this area. God wants you to succeed in this area. God doesn't want you hurt and damaged in this area. So, um, so, Let's have a look at you, all right? So we're going to go on a This is a journey of a relationship, and it's like, what are the things we learn in it? So it starts, yeah, and the friends are like, yeah, your love is better than mine. But here's where it starts. It starts with the woman. Interesting, in a patriarchal culture, this whole romance is actually driven by the woman. She's quite, she falls in love with this guy. And her opening line is, dark I am yet lovely, Verse 6, do not stare at me because I'm dark. It's not a racist. It's the culture that when you were wealthy there, you stayed inside and had servants do everything. When you're poor, you're working out in the fields. So she's, and, and you get dark. And so she's ashamed that she's so dark as an implication, I'm so poor, I'm out in the field. Interesting, as soon as, it's interesting though, because as soon as the opening play immediately taps into insecurity, doesn't it? Immediately taps into inferiority. Straight away go there. We're going to talk about romance just straight there. I feel insecure. I'm not very confident about myself. I don't like my nose. I don't know how I look. I don't, I don't. It's like, man, it, and you can pretend, oh, yeah, oh, but no, no. We all feel insecure and, and, and nervous around this area. As soon as, because it's on our, our, our dignities at stake when we're trying to, when we're, would somebody else love us? Would somebody else care for us? And, 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 and she's feeling like that straight away. And it's like, Welcome to the world of um, trying to do relationships well. Um, and, and she falls for this guy, and she's kind of like, this guy, tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock. It's like, oh, I spotted this guy. I wonder where he works. I'd like to go and get to know him some more. And, and her friends are like, um, put a bit of delay there. Her friends, oh, if you don't know, follow. It's like, her friends are like, go for it. Check him out. See if he's any good. And, and the guy then kind of notices her, oh, because he notices this girl around, and he's quite impressed with her. Your cheeks are beautiful, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and then, like, I love this. While the king was at the table, my perfume spread its fragrance. By the way, it, it's part of this thing. He uses a lot the imagery of kind of taste and smell and stuff for this whole sensuality. Again, Jewish spirituality isn't afraid of sensuality. It's not this weird Western kind of thing that it's all bad. And, and, and it's like, no, no, God made all this. And, but there's this lovely thing, my perfume spread its fragrance. Like she's like there, I'm just here. And, you know, and, and she's aware that he's looking at her, that he's noticed. But she's just playing it cool. But she's aware that she's got his attention. Uh, and then, then down the bottom, how beautiful you are, my darling, how beautiful. He's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's hooked. He's fallen in love. He's infatuated. Um, and, and I love this, you know, and there's lovely language in it. And it's easy to be all cynical or whatever, but the love of the guy, like a lily among the thorns is my darling among the maidens. It's like, it, it, I hope one day that you, someone was like, we would probably say the rose among the thorns. Like, you're the one. You stand out compared to anyone else. 
Like, you're the one, you're the one I want. And it's like, I hope that happens to you. Don't tell me you don't want that to happen to you. You do. Don't give me that rubbish that you're all goods. It's me and Jesus. No, you're not. He didn't make you like that. You want that. You want somebody to say that to you. Um, and, and, um, you know, and so they connect. And again, this imagery is fruit is sweet to my taste. It's kind of the sensory thing. But down in verse 6, they finally kind of have their first cuddle or embrace or something. His left hand is under my head. His right arm embraces me. And here's the first interesting thing in the book. Because suddenly she's being held for the first time by this guy. And suddenly she's like, whoa. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of it, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. She's suddenly like, man, this is a powerful force. Like, this is, this is wonderful, this is special, but this is powerful. This is great for the time and the place that it's meant for, but be careful that you don't, like, this is like, whoa, just, hey, I want to do this well. Because this is so powerful that it could be incredibly beautiful, incredibly wonderful, or it could be incredibly damaging in my life. And, and this refrain is going to come up a number of times in the book. It's one of the themes of it. Like, man, you want to do this area well. Because, because, it, because it, God has made it so wonderfully powerful. But it's either a wonderful, powerful good or a power that can cause a lot of hurt in our lives. Um, and so now they're, they're kind of all in love and they're hooked up and whatever. And, you know, down the bottom, see, the winter has passed, the rains are over and gone. It's like, I'm in love, everything's wonderful. You know, the sun's out, the dolphins are leaping. It's, like, it's all beautiful because she's in love. And isn't it great? Romance and love and infatuation is God's idea. Don't be a cynical, what it, cynicism is just hurt idealism. You want to fall in love. You want to, you want to feel like this. At some, this is God's idea, not the devil's. You know, and she's like, flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The fig tree, it's like, everything's wonderful. And it's, and it's wonderful. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and, um, but even here, it's interesting. The guy is like, yeah, we're in this wonderful season. We were falling in love. It's all new. But already, verse 15, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. It's like, oh, even at this stage, just be careful because there's little things that could damage this thing. One word, one comment, one action. It's like, this is so lovely. Just be careful that it doesn't get spoiled by just some little dumb thing. And so there's this kind of sense. This is incredibly beautiful area of our lives and it's incredibly powerful, and it can be wonderful, but I actually want to do it well, and I want to look after this area, and I want to look after these relationships. You with me on this? You're right. Cool? Okay. Cool. And so, and, and then she comes up with this phrase, my lover is mine and I am his. And, and this, is, this phrase is going to transition throughout the book as well, but it, she's like, I've got a boyfriend. And kind of, by the way, yeah, and I'm his girlfriend, but it's like, it's like finally I feel validated, I got a boyfriend. And, and, and she just feels good about life. But you're going to see how this is challenged to kind of mature and grow up and develop. Go this way. Um, chapter 3. Interesting thing. All night long on my bed I look for the one my heart loves. I longed for him but did not find him. I th um, again... 
I think for the first time she finds herself sexually aroused at night and, it, and it's like, oh my goodness, this is a powerful force in my life. And again, she comes back to this thing. Oh my goodness, like, don't, like, this is a powerful force. Just be careful, like, don't stir this thing up at the wrong time. There's a place for this, God's idea. But like, the, um, I want this to do well in my life, God. And so it's like, oh, yeah, just don't, don't be silly. Oh, yeah, no, we're just friends. Don't, don't, like, don't be stupid. God made you with hormones. You're not, something's not normal if you, yeah, like, God made you like this. And so, like, just think, man, I want to do this well. Because God's put this powerful force in my life. You know, and so, and, and then quickly the relationship progresses to actually heading towards the wedding day. So who is this coming up from the desert? Look at Solomon's carriage. Solomon's the guy. And, um, and coming up, come out, you daughters of Zion. Look at King Solomon wearing the crown. The crown, his mother's crowned him. On the day of his wedding, the day his heart rejoiced. So they got together. They've had wonderful romance. They've kind of navigated and some stuff. And, and now they're ready for their wedding uh, on, in chapter 3. And, um, and, I, and this is lovely, you know, just the reflection of this is the guy just talking about the woman. The standard's pretty low in Middle Eastern ancient thing. Verse 2, your teeth are like a flock of sheep. Each one has its twin. Like, yeah, she's a winner. She's got all her teeth stored. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, anyway. But it kind of moves on from there. Like, your lips, your mouth, your neck, your breasts. And, and, but verse 7, all beautiful you are, my darling. There's no flaw in you. Again, I hope that one day, you're, if you're a woman, you're walking up the aisle and someone looking at you thinking that you're perfect. This is God's idea. Um, this is, he made this. He likes this stuff. And, and the guy replies, verse 9, you have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride, you have stolen my heart. How cool is this? This is God's idea, that, that people will meet someone, they'll just think they're beautiful, they think they're wonderful, and their heart's grabbed by them, their heart's taken by them. Like, this is, this is God's plan for romance and relationships. Um, and, and then there's a really interesting concept. So your lips drop sweetness, the fragrance of your garment. And then verse 12, you are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride, you're a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. This concept of a garden locked up is in the ancient world, a king owned everything, but they would have a special walled garden. In Persian language, it was called paradise. It's the king's garden. And in there would be special fruit trees and special delights. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm the lord of everything, but this is my special place where I go and enjoy things. And, and this is an incredible Old Testament image of sexuality, that it's like a walled garden, because on the one hand, there's people all prudes, like, oh, that's all bad, that's all evil, whatever. Other people are like, oh, it's just fun, it's just pleasure, just enjoy it, chill out. But the biblical thing is, yeah, it's, a, it's like a walled garden of pleasure. It's like, within there, there's incredible pleasure, but, it's, but you let one person in at the right time to enjoy that level of relationship with you. I think it's an incredibly beautiful image of sexuality. It's a bit quiet. I, I, it's, a, it's, a, oh, it's in the Bible. Like, 
and and because it affirms both the pleasure, the romance, the desire, but also the sense, man, you want to guard this thing and just let the right person in at the right time and then enjoy this thing together. And so I, this is kind of the, the Jewish idea. And again, you'll see this idea come up again. So if you're thinking about tracking principles, here's a principle kind of of, uh, of relationships and doing it well. And so heading towards their wedding, they start talking about a lot of these fruits. Because he's kind of the, this whole sensory thing of relationship and sexuality is starting to kind of be pretty real because it's their wedding day. Um, and, uh, and then the chapter finishes with the woman after, at the end of their wedding go, let my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. It's an invitation that she makes to open her life to a sexual relationship with her husband. Here's the interesting thing. This is chapter 4, verse 16. There's a chapter break. Chapter 5, verse 1, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. There was an ad break in there. There was a fade out. There was a like, you don't need to know that. It's interesting in a spirituality that is unashamedly positive and celebrates sensuality. It's like, we don't need to go there describing the details. And off, oh yeah, but it's art, but it's theater. No, no, you don't need to. There's something reserved for the beauty of this thing that's a private experience between two people. And in the, even in the name of art, in a book that starts off uh, celebrating this thing doesn't go there on their actual sexual encounter. It's like, just keep it private. It's for two people to share something beautiful and special together. And, and the friends, from the, you know, eat, oh friends, and drink, drink your fill. It's like, we celebrate what you're doing, but that's for you. We don't need to know the details about it. Man, I just feel, I don't know why, I just feel something of the heart of God there, like, so we just need to recover that so maybe in our culture. Something of the specialness and, and um, I don't know, just let God touch your heart with something there. You know, and, and you think, okay, they're all happily ever after. Well, if you've ever had a relationship, you know, it doesn't kind of work like that. So it kind of it goes wrong pretty quickly. Um, and, so, and so, again, this is the woman. I slept, my heart awake, my lover is knocking, open to me. So husband's like, I want to have sex. She's like, I've taken off my right, she's like, I've put my face mask on, I've done my bones, I've done my hair, I've got my, I've got my socks on for sleeping, it's like, can't be bothered, like, and, um, and, um, and he's like, no, no, I'm keen, I'm keen, and, and, and she, and she's like, she slowly starts catching up, like, okay, maybe I could, um, maybe I could be interested, but, um, and by verse 5, I arose to open the door, and then, Verse 6, I opened, but my lover had left, he was gone. They just missed each other. He's given up. He's gone off in a huff to watch the, you know, rugby or rugby league or something, <laughs> tennis. And, and, you know, and this is one of the things, it's just so easy to miss each other and get hurt and misunderstandings. And, and, and so it talks about how she goes out and they beat me. She just got, it's like, I thought this was going to be so wonderful, but we just end up missing each other and I got hurt. And, and, you know, it's a wonderful, and it's like, oh, even with the best intentions, the best set up, there's still hurt and disappointment and just missing each other happens. And, and this is what's really interesting here. Oh, if I go back, can I go back? Am I going back? Yes. Um, 
And down, she's telling her friends, like, if you find my lover, what will you tell me? Like, I, I want to find her. And, and her friends do something like this. They, they say to her, how is your beloved better than the others? If One of the most common things if you end up in marriage counseling, they'll go back and go, write down what you originally fell in love with, with this person. Because it's like somehow that just got lost in the hurt and the misunderstanding. And this invitation, tell us again why you fell in love with this person. Tell us again what were the things that initially attracted you to them. Because her heart's got hurt, her heart's closed down a bit, and there's an invitation for her heart to just open up again. And so she starts um, talking. Oh, yeah, he's radiant and ruddy. She's like, his head, his eyes are beautiful, big his cheeks, um, you know, great legs. It's nothing about he's got a great character. He's like, he's got great legs. <laughs> beautiful eyes. I love staring. It's like, but it's kind of this invitation to reflect again around a track. And then down, and down the bottom from the hurt, what a, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, this is my lover, this my friend. And again, I talked this morning about repair. It's like the friends invited to her to open up her heart again and rediscover her love for her husband. And it's like, oh, if we're going to do this well, you're going to have to, there's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be times when we just miss each other. I'm going to have to learn to rediscover love and romance and delight. That's really quiet. Um, uh, and... Um, and, and now she's kind of ready to engage. And now you notice if you go down to verse 3, now this, I am my lover's and my lover is mine. I don't know if you remember. It's actually changed before. It's like, my, my lover is mine and I am his. I've I got a boyfriend. Now she realizes, oh, actually, like, I've got this guy, person in my life. I need to actually attend to this relationship. I need to care for them. I need to be careful about how I act because we could really miss each other. We could, I don't want to live like that. So suddenly it's kind of shifted like, oh, I need to think about not just my needs and what I need to think about looking after this person and they're also looking after me. And, and it's kind of a, a, well, it's a direct flip in the relationship. So she is like, so they had this misunderstanding probably sexually that he just missed, they just missed each other, but they managed to sort it out. So you think they're all good now, right? Well, then there's a misunderstanding. Oh, and so he starts talking about her. Again, I don't know, verse 6, he's got this thing about teeth again. He still quite likes the fact that she got all her own teeth. But, um, but, he, um, but again, he's recovered this thing, oh, my dove, my perfect one is unique. It's like we're not going to settle for a mediocre relationship. No, we missed each other, we got hurt, but we went back, we reconnected. I'm back falling in love with you, you're back falling in love with me. Yeah, this is what we want. This is what God meant for our lives. So then, so that was her doing something. Now, here's the guy's part when he messes up, okay? I went down to the grove of nut trees to look at the new... So he's checking out his business. Verse 12, before I realized that my dot's desire sent me amongst the royal chariot. He's out checking out the cars. He's got caught up in his business. He's got checking out the boys' toys, and he's ended up neglecting his relationship. Read it. It's in the Bible, uh, and, and, and again, the friends are clever because sometimes guys are a bit thick, eh? Like, 
So, like, the, the woman just a bit more sensitive relationship. She knew that she needed to repair it. But the friends have to kind of provoke him a bit. So they're verse 13, come back, come back. Oh, surely like, that's a woman. Come back, come back, that we may gaze on you. The friends are like, do you realize what a great wife you've got? You're mucking around with the cars. You're out there checking. You've neglected her. Do you realize what you've got there? And he's like, oh, wh- oh what? Why would you gaze on her? And, and so he, but they provoke her to think, how do, why did you fall in love with her? What was it? And again, so he now does a reflection about her. Graceful legs, your navel, your breasts, your neck. Um, like I said, guys are a bit thick. This is the most explicit part in the book. He's like, oh, you're kind of like a palm tree, coconut palm, and your breasts are like the coconuts at the top. I know what I'll do. I'll climb up and grab the coconuts. Not the brightest guy, but he means well, okay? It's there. But he's recovered. Uh, and, and now, the, and, and again, so they've rebuilt it. So guess what? Relationships are going to be a successive thing of rebuilding after misunderstandings, after missing each other, the ability to reconnect, to fall in love again, to restore the romance and delight. And, and now this is the third progression of this thing. Remember, it started off, my lover is mine and I'm his, then I am my lover's and he is mine. Now it's just this, I belong to my lover and his desire is for me. It's like, we've been married for 31 years, I can't believe that she's still for me. Praise God. <laughs> well, what a win that is. I should probably look after her and treat her well. And so there's a massive development throughout this book of just to value this part and value the other person and to treat them well. Now they realize we actually have to work on this thing. We actually have to invest in things. So they're married, they're all good, but she's like, come on, let's go to the country night, let's spend the night in the village. It's like, let's get some time away as a couple, not just with the kids. Let's invest in our relationship as a couple. Let's keep this alive and fresh. And, and again, um, this whole thing, uh, verse 3, his left hand is under my head, so they're embracing again, they're a married couple, they're working on stuff. But again, for the final time, it's like she's reminded again and wants to tell the younger woman, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, don't, do not arouse or awaken love. It's like, this again, this thing is so strong. It can bring such delight to your life or it can cause such hurt. Just, girls, just be careful, she's saying. Just, just do this thing well, because I want your life to succeed. I want you to enjoy this part of your life. I want you to feel special. I want you to feel loved. And, and just be careful with it. You know, this is towards the conclusion of it. Who is this coming up from the desert leaning on her lover? They're just close. They're together. They're leaning on each other. They're kind of doing life together. And, and this is a reflection, interesting reflection, verse 6. Love is as strong as death, it's jealousy unyielding as the grave, it burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. It's like, this is such a powerful force in life, that God has created for something incredible. I just want to do this part of my life well, because I don't want it to be a destructive fire that destroys, but I want to acknowledge how powerful it is. And I want to choose to do it well. You know, and as a church, we want to help you do this well. 
Not because we want you to miss out on stuff. Because we want you to have the best. And it's God's idea. And wouldn't it be great to have a whole lot of people who did this well? And so, and again, she's, the friends are like, if one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scored. It's like, you can't buy this. You can't manipulate it. Someone chooses to give themselves to you. And you choose to give yourself to somebody. And it's like, man, could we do that well? Um, and, and, and here's this reflection, the friends. We have a young sister, her breasts are not growing. What should we do for our sister? And they're like, if she is a wall, we'll build towers. If she is a door, we'll enclose her. It's like, they're like, man, they're like, I would just love to protect the next generation from some of the hurt that we've seen. I'd love you to not get damaged in this area either from your mistakes or other people's doing wrong things to you. But oh, I'd love you to grow and experience the goodness of God in this area. And, and, and that's their desire. After all of this reflection, it's like such a powerful force, such a potential for wonderful things, such a potential for hurt and disappointment. Man, we just love to set you up for success in this area of relationship. And, and so she is like, yeah, um, verse 12, my own vineyard is mine to give. Yeah, I'm going to guard this because it's so special. I'm confident in who I am and my sexuality and stuff, and I'm going to give it to the right person at the right time. And that's, the, that's my gift and a mutuality of stuff. Don't you think this is an incredibly beautiful picture? of God's intention for love and romance and sexuality. And so the finish again, come away, my beloved, be like a gazelle, a young stag on spice-laden mountains. It's like, come on, let's keep exploring this relationship. Let's keep going. And according to Scripture, that's the greatest song that's ever been written, a song about romance and love. How cool is that? Do you know what the... Um, the rabbis believed that this was like an extended reflection on the first love poem in the Bible, which is found in Genesis 2. If you ever ask me to do your wedding, I only got one two-minute wedding talk. This is it. It's about the original purpose of marriage. It's found in Genesis 2, that God said, it's not good for man to be alone, I'll make him a helper, that the first point of marriage is intimacy. God's designed marriage for you to find a soulmate, to find a partner in life. To deal with aloneness. And then if you know the story, it says God puts a man into a deep sleep, takes out one of his ribs, forms it into a woman. If I'm a bit naughty at the wedding, I'll go, you know, the man wakes up and there in front of him is a naked woman. And he does what any normal red-blooded man would do. He breaks out in a love poem. Which is the story that he... Because again, unashamedly... Um, the Bible, Jewish spirituality, unashamed, God designed romance, God designed delight, God designed passion. And that, that verse 23, she's now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. The rabbis thought that the Song of Songs was basically an extended meditation on that, on the love and romance that God intended. You know, and then in the story it says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one, which is the third thing of commitment. And it's like within these three boundaries of intimacy, passion, and commitment, the story then says the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. It's like there's God's plan for marriage. 
intimacy of being soulmates, passion and delight of romance, commitment to be there for each other. There's a place that you could know and be known. This is God's plan for relationships. It's interesting as psychologists have caught up with this. There's a, um, a psychologist called Sternberg's got this love triangle. He says, uh, love is founded on three things, intimacy, passion, and commitment. Just as about, you can have one thing, intimacy, it's called liking or friendship. Intimacy, not sexuality, intimacy, we're just real close. You can have passion, it's called infatuation. You will get infatuated with people. Doesn't mean that it's love. Doesn't mean that you have to act on it. It's anyone ever like just totally infatuated and then a few months later you see the person again, it's like, oh, what, did I, what was I thinking? That's what happens. You project stuff on people. It's beautiful, but it's not love. It's like, yeah, so you need to be aware that's going to happen. So you have to make some choices about it. You can have commitment. That's what's called empty love. Or you can have, so that was all the one out of three. You can have two out of three. You can have intimacy and commitment. That's called companion. We've kind of, we're great companions. We're committed. We just don't have that real spark in our lives anymore. You can have intimacy and passion. That's called romantic love, but as yet there's no commitment. There's not a safe place where we've said we're going to be loyal to each other. You can have passion and commitment. Some people suddenly fall in love and six weeks later they're married. That's fatuous love. Yeah, there is passion, but you don't, there's not intimacy. You don't know each other yet. According to this guy, you can have the whole deal, intimacy, passion, and love, consummate love. And it's like, oh, that's God's purpose for romantic love. That's God's purpose for our sexuality. That's God's purpose for relationships. And it's like, oh, I want to know that. Can I get the musicians back? God's got a, do you know, it's like, God's made it pretty clear in scripture. I want some really good things for you. Here's my plan for it. An incredible relationship founded on passion, intimacy, and commitment going on a journey of connection, of romance, infatuation, of dealing with the ups and downs, but committed to each other, of offering yourself to another person in the context of, you know, 31 years ago, standing in front of my wife and going, you know, I vowed to love you and be faithful to you. And her saying, I vow to love you and be faithful to you. It's been hard, it's been rocky at times. It's been wonderful majority of the time. It's like, this is God's plan. Can I invite you to stand? And again, I don't know how you connect with God. You know, part of living in a broken world is, well, let me go. I feel like today God actually wants people to go get a sense of victory. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this area well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing well. And, you know, we've all probably made choices that maybe we think, oh, man, I already carry shame or guilt. Or maybe other people have done stuff to us that has robbed us of stuff. i got great news for you. God is a redeeming God, a cleansing God, a renewing God, a God of the second chance, a God of the third chance. And I want to just encourage you today.
would you dare to kind of reach out to God and God, I want, to, I want this to be part of my victorious Christian life, that I've done this area well. And the people who come after me hopefully get spared maybe some of the hurt that I've brought.